Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening, thanks for tuning in, thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're in the beverage industry. And actually, you guys are not going to even believe the story you hear today about um, our guests and, and just their background and what, they're, what they've done as a family and then where they are today. We are going to hit on their work building an amazing brand you might have heard of called Muscle Milk and then also their new company, Flavor Insights. It's not so new anymore, but um, we're going to jump into all of that today and, and you guys are just going to be blown away by this story. So on the podcast today are my new friends, Nikki Brown and Mike Pickett. It's so great having you guys on the podcast. We're excited to be here this morning. <laughs> it's it's great. I'm so glad this worked out. I was so excited to talk to you guys. Um, I was sharing with you earlier my background in the consumer goods and beverage space. And so um, when our mutual friend said, hey, if, if you'd like to talk to Nikki and Mike, you know, they could share with you some of their stories from building muscle milk. I was like, when? <laughs> anyway, um, so excited to talk to you guys. Um, but you guys are, it's so unique because you, it's really a family affair for you guys, right? I mean, you guys have been in business as a family for years now. So I'd like to rewind the clock a bit and share with us how you guys got started in the industry. Um, and I'd love to just to hear like, how did you even get started? And were you all working together at the time? Or did your dad bring you in? How did that work? Well, first of all, let me say it's a real honor to be with you today. So uh, thank you for having us. Thank um, you, Mike. <laughs> it's a little bit nice to be remembered for what we have done. In the past. <laughs> it's so but, cool. Are you kidding me? I was like, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah. Well, me and Nikki took a little bit different paths, but we certainly are a family business. Um, my, our family's been the nutrition type business um, since about 1958. My grandfather started one of the very first MLM, multi-level marketing vitamin companies. Wow. Okay. And my dad, my dad joined him at about 18. My mom and dad got married very young at 18 and had me at 18. 19. 19. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's get it right. So, so uh my dad got busy working making protein powders when he was like 20 years old and uh wow did that for till uh the family sold that business and then uh i'm just i'm giving you the quick version no, here it's great it's perfect then um uh, the family sold that my dad was out looking around and i was just getting ready to graduate from high school and my dad was looking around at some other uh, opportunities I ran into a very cool company called champion nutrition and uh my dad uh came and kind of sat me down and said, Hey Mike, you know, you had a lot of fun in high school, which I did. Too much fun. <laughs> Too much fun. And, <laughs> I'd like you to join uh, join me and help me grow this business and I'll teach you everything I know and what I think you need to know. Um, so I started on the manufacturing side, started putting protein powders in cans and sweeping wow. floors when UPS and shipping when I was a young guy at 18, 19 years old. Sure. And um we did that for about 10 years. Uh, Nikki went to, to off to, to college, to USC, to be a, a mighty Trojan. She hates us. <laughs> she was also a cheerleader. She hates me to say that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And uh, we did that for about 10 years. And like most things in life other than your marriage um, or your, your love for a significant one, partnerships begin and end. And that one did end. Um, but it was a great run. It taught us the business. It was one of the very first sports nutrition companies. And me and my dad and Nikki sat around a table and said, you know, why not us? Uh, right. We've got a lot of tools. We've got a lot of ideas. we got a lot of energy. And most of all, 
my mom, my dad, and my grandfather always had a very good saying that you work for others, you work for what you need, you work for yourself, you work for what you want. Wow. And we work for what we wanted, and we wanted to be independent. We thought if we could build a nice $20 million business, we could have a nice family uh, business that could provide us with some homes, totally. drive a lot we like my dad's always raced cars i don't know if you know that i saw that in my research yeah that's right he just won his uh, uh, uh race for the sixth decade that's crazy <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> so we started off and we said you know i think we're going to start this funny little thing called cytosport and you know like most entrepreneurs we thought if we could make a great product we loved our customers uh we took care of business um created a really cool environment that people could enjoy and grow we always had a saying that if our customers dreams come true and our employees dreams come true so will ours wow i love that i mean that's two great phrases right there we could end the podcast (laughs) kidding that's amazing that's a great visionary statement go ahead thank you well and you know entrepreneurs i think sometimes um interesting enough my sister was great went to college and and She's an unbelievable marketer. Um, I didn't. Uh, I went to the school of hard knocks. My dad went to the school of hard knocks, and my grandpa went to the school of hard knocks. Uh, something that you know is just different. But sometimes I think entrepreneurs, when we don't really know the mountain we're climbing, um, sometimes that's a blessing. I think it sure. was for us. I mean, you had Metarex and all these huge companies, and here comes a little old us. And we just thought if we go to work every day, keep our eye on the target, and that was taking care of our customers. And the most important thing we did every morning was we woke up and we tried to sell great products to help people's dreams come true. Wow. Whether they're athletes, Olympians, or pro, or anything like that, we wanted yeah. to do that. Weekend warriors. And we did that for a couple years. And my dad was working on uh, an interesting product that he, uh, him and a, a, another gentleman, Bob Fritz, I'll give him also credit for Muscle Note. They were working on this. They collaborated. They came up with a great product. And as usual, most people said the product would never sell. <laughs> okay, wait. So, all right, I've got a question on that. As we go yeah. through, I'm going to jump in with some questions. Um, so, the first, so what was it that you were, you guys were going to do that was different when you started this business? In other words, you mentioned there were others in the space, and you guys were the little guy. But was there a unique angle, or was it your, you know, obsession with customer that was going to make you different? You know what I mean? Like, what what was your angle when you first started? Of that it was products and it was products and quality of products and taste and then when muscle milk came around it really began to define the company and effectively i say after year one ish of muscle milk once consumers tried it we got it in people's hands mikey is the best at giving product away (laughs) mikey i love Uh, it (laughs) but it worked and it was the product worked and it performed well and people liked it and so at that point it was sort of trying to get that tiger by the tail but we never compromised on quality that was the commitment it was the best of everything going into the product line and that was unwavering and i think that's something the taste and quality and the fact that we didn't try and suggest it was any one thing we grew up in a category that was either whey-based protein or meal replacement or And we were a bit of a hybrid at the time. I think that that went to kind of almost the magic, if you will. Yeah. If you remember, then almost everything was the, everything was about low carb. That's right. That's right. Zero fats, zero carbs. And we came out with 32 grams of protein, 18 grams of carbohydrate, 12 grams of fat. And people said, it'll never sell. And my dad said, (laughs) 
Right. And he's right. And my dad, uh, my dad's very, um, when he truly believes in something, um, he goes at it pretty hard. So we went at that hard and, you know, um, the, the first, I, I think we got very good in, in powders, um, about two or three years in, we, we, I, like I said, we really want to have about a $20 million business. We had right. about a, about a $70 million powder business at that time wow. really quietly. So way exceeded. I was going to say the little $20 our, million dollar business, all of a sudden you're at 70. <laughs> Hello. Relationships. I mean, yep. Mikey has always had really great relationships and our local sports teams were a great sampling and seeding ground. Sure. So we, they would call us and say, Hey, I'd like a root beer float yeah. protein. And so, oh, you know, wow. not famous ice cream shop that made themselves famous for having multiple it flavors. And quite frankly, our ability to do everything here on site right. uh, and innovate and manufacture gave us a leg up because yeah. we were able to put over, I think at one point we had 32 powdered flavors. Yep. Wow. That, a wall at GNC. Wow, unbelievable. Now, how did you guys come up with the name Muscle Milk? Because your first product, I believe, was called Cytomax, which, you know, cool, your, your yep. company name was Cytosports, oh, looks with Cytomax, but how did, who, who came up with Muscle Milk and how'd that come about? That was my father, early, <laughs> and, it, you know, brands evolved. And so we were a very narrow gym centric product, I think early in our start. And if you, if you look at a very, the early labels, I mean, it's amazing to me. What didn't we become? (laughs) (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Including a violator that I'll never get over. I'll never forget was grows muscle like a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) It was, it was, it, but, but again, brands evolved and yeah. so we had it and that's a tricky thing too, because you really want to maintain your authenticity to the core and to the, the customers that help you build it as you begin to tell a broader story. And that, that really happened over time. That's right. And I, I think what was really cool is we started hardcore in the gym and, and all, and we really listened to our customers. We'd ask our distributors and our customers, what flavor would you like next? Right. And, that's what I was going to um, ask. Yeah. We were, we worked with a lot of athletes on what flavor they'd enjoy. And, you know, when we got the business, it was vanilla, chocolate, maybe a, 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 a really bad taste of strawberry. <laughs> right. Fundamentally, what we did was, you know, there's always some kind of magic to to changing an industry like we did. Um, and that was the fact that we made protein taste really good. Wow. And that was what we did. And then to, to, to even double down, my dad said, you know, that's great. We've got this great business. But if we really want to bring good nutrition to the masses, to the people that really need protein, because protein needs are first of most importance, we need to make it what he called an RTD, ready to drink. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, that, which means you can buy it off the shelf and drink it right away for those that are listening. Instead of having a blender, you know, hard athletes don't mind having a blender and throwing the glass in the thing and having a mess on the counter. Right. but. People don't want that mess. They want something no. quick, easy to go. We never have enough time. And that fundamentally changed our business um, to to places we never go. And then when we were able to sign our distribution agreement with Pepsi, right? Uh, 
that when you wake up in the morning, you have twenty five thousand trucks. Hello, yeah, I mean that's just unbelievable. Now, did it, okay? That's an interesting one. I'll dive in there. Were you guys sure. prepared for that? I mean, you, like you went from I don't know what product or distribution before that to twenty five thousand trucks. And what about the inventory? What about the manufacturing? Were you guys ready for that, or like how did that all evolve? I think we got into the ready to drink protein space at a great time. Yeah capacity was not an issue later in the game it became a challenge from time to time and and something that occasionally bit us i would say but we were always pretty good about never running out of chocolate or vanilla muscle milk <laughs> right <laughs> challenge with as a more narrow niche brand going into a mass audience and having access to the pepsi distribution system was really getting in front of the brand message and Got it. have thousands of people across the country telling your story and how do you tell it? How, the education and protein was important at the time. So, so that became the biggest challenge is sort of keeping up with now your feet on the street. Yeah, no question. I happened to work for the competitor Coca-Cola for 10 years. And I, I remember um, there was just so much swirl around that product because <clears throat> Muscle Milk was this bold brand. And I want to ask you about the branding in a minute, but that was just, it was, it was popping up everywhere. And even in places where there were exclusive distribution agreements around like carbonated soft drinks and water and whatnot. Um, and I, I, there was, it was such a discussion topic for, um, at least I remember back um, during my time there. And I remember thinking, wow, someone is, I, doing something right um, at Muscle Milk to get the brand out there. And it's just bold. I don't know. And I, I was wondering if it was a pull or a push on you guys' side. I think it was both. Mike <laughs> yeah. and I look back and you want to say some things were strategy, but quite frankly, again, the brand began to walk itself out of the niche channel. And we then just had to do our very best to direct it in the right ways. It was sort of a, the, the consumers were coming to it and we needed to find a message that was, you know, aspirational and approachable to everybody because we had this core gym audience again that we did not want to walk away with from. We wanted to bring them with us. And it's different when you've got, you know, your core bodybuilding guy that found something and he loves it. And suddenly his girlfriend found it in the refrigerator and now that <laughs> right. and then you've got a high school kid that you, soccer mom may want to buy it for. And you've really got to work hard as a brand to make sure that it works across all the different consumer groups. Wow. And I would add that I, I think Nikki's being quite humble. Nikki was very um, strategic about the branding. And it's always I, I'd be really messed it wasn't me, Nikki, and my dad that built this company. It was, you know, 350 employees. Right. I was actually going to go there next. That's a perfect of, segue. Of just amazing people that bought into our passion, our love, and this brand, and the excitement of it. And then the brand attracted some of the best people in the industry wanted to be part of this wave. And we were able to get people some from Red Bull and from Pepsi. Totally, totally. Oh, and that's when things really got fun and exciting is when – when you bring in far more talent than our family had. 
That's what I was going to say. Was that, so it was really, you know, the small, hey, we're going to try to build a $20 million business, but at some point the scale in, in you guys, in your growth probably forced you, I mean, obviously to bring on more people and expand. Like, was that a comfortable situation? Uh, you know, like what is that family dynamic like with your, your team members as well? Does that make sense? Is that, can that, cause it could be awkward or it could, could really work. I'm just curious how you guys navigated that. I think we loved it. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. Growing up with it together. Right. And for, you know, interviewing people and, and everyone wants you to find, well, what is your culture? What is your brand effort? What is, and at the end of the day, it was something to work here. It was something that you walked in and you instantly felt and you wanted to be a part of. And as we, as we talked to different possible distribution partners, we talked to lots of different systems and we built a beverage sales team that came from all beverage systems. And at the end of it, you know, often we were, you know, hey, call me if there's an opening or hey, because I think people really enjoyed, it was a little bit of a, a blank canvas that we all got to do together. And it wasn't always perfect. There were challenges from time to time, but I think generally speaking, people that came over, really had a we had like to have a lot of fun with the brand absolutely furious and so right. i think as a family as mike said we felt humble and appreciative that you'd actually give up your career path at the red system or the blue system right of course or <laughs> red bull which we had nothing but enormous respect for and still do totally to us with our beverage i mean it was a little bit of a pinch us moment for all of us i think yeah. All right, so I'm going to fast forward a bit. So I believe you guys sold in 2014. Is that correct? And what was that experience like? If you don't mind my asking, and then I want to jump into Flavor Insights. Uh, you know, um, I'll jump in, Nick. From You know, first of all, I think what's really important and different is we never built our company to sell it. Um, it was just something that happened. When you go... In about 10 years, if you can think about this, and, and all you entrepreneurs, this is what is possible. If if you can dream big enough, go to work, take care of your customer, great products. We went from zero to 430 million in 10 years. <laughs> That's incredible. And, <laughs> so much for the $20 million business, right? Yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> wow. And then I think when that happened, um, you know, it just gets so big and you start to feel pressure. And, right. Uh, so yes, we 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 found a you know we went through a process and we found which was um, I, I think it was exciting but uh, I don't want to speak for Nikki and my dad but it was it was kind of a sad moment. I was I gonna think. say that I feel like you built it and it's your baby. You know what I mean? And you're kind of handing yeah. it over. I mean, but I get it. I mean, it's exciting. Yeah. It's just that's anyway. It, it did become. I, I you know you you say baby. I would totally agree. It was yep. like a child. Right. Raise. You you work together hard, you raise yep. and then try to find the right home for it is is a you know, it's hard. never perfect. Right. Wow. No part of transition isn't perfect either because there are things that you would potentially do differently and you understand <laughs> that change needs to happen and an acquirer needs to make it their own. And, but those are challenging for entrepreneurs and, and everyone suggested that going in. So I think we had a little bit of an idea 
And then Mikey is so closely connected to all of the people that worked in and around the business that that becomes another challenge as you transition and, and entrepreneurs find that is, you know, it changes for your employees too. So you've got your brand and then you've got totally. your employees. And the, the, the combination of both of those things is generally really challenging for people as you go through the process. It was a hard time. Um, we had such a great culture. I'm sure I can only it's, imagine you guys and you know, you, can, you got to build it from person one. You know what I mean? It's not often you get yeah. to do that. But the entrepreneurs listening, they know because they've built it from person yeah. one. And trust me, we started at 600 square feet. Right. Um, and in 10 years, it went to that. Wow. It was um, just a health experience. Um, I would say that we're, we're really proud of where the brand is and where it went to and what it's going to do that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's in the hands of Pepsi. I think it's going to be fantastic there with one of the great iconic brands of all time, Gatorade. Um, our legacy can live on, uh, which is really critical um, to me. Uh, I, I, I think of muscle milk every day. I still walk into my 7-Eleven every morning and I, <laughs> I rephrase I reface the muscle milk. I, I love it. That's I used to do that all the time when I worked for Coke. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it, you know? Yeah. A quick little funny story. When we first started going, um, we we all got into Safeway, a big NorCal. Oh, yeah. Um, We're very familiar. We got a little Tetra four packs in there. It's like 730 at night. Me, my dad, my sister, and my mom go in there. We're down the aisle, and this guy's sitting there, and he's looking at some of the other brands. And my dad goes up and goes, hey, you know. There's this cool muscle milk. You got to try it. And my dad actually gave him the money to buy it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> someone might buy it. And my dad was in tears um, over someone, our product actually being on a Safeway shelf. And so cool. But I get really teary eyed uh, about something like that was at Safeway one time. And then when we got our, our signage at USC, all of our programs, when we sat there as the Pickett family and in in the middle of the stadium, there's muscle milk everywhere. I know, I'm sure it was overcoming with um, with pride and and what we had a, the small accomplishment that we had done. That's amazing. Uh, great accomplishment that all our employees um, did for that brand. Um, I can't tell you how much the employees meant and what happened there. The magic you you don't get that kind of magic every day, but I think if you ask a bunch of our employees, it was. And we actually had a reunion. Uh, in February, before all, the, all hell broke loose, we had a reunion. <laughs> people came and we had a reunion, and it was oh, just that's amazing. The brand was fantastic. I bet that was amazing. Wow. Um, okay, so you know, again, could end the podcast here, but no, we wouldn't want to do that because you guys have got something new started. So after that, was there immediately the thought of? Hey, what are we going to do next? Or was it, hey, see you guys later. I need a little break. Or, like, how did the whole Flavor Insights thing start? And was it you know, one day sold, next day start Flavor Insights? You know, how did that? How did that come about? So, yeah, yeah. So my dad's a very high. Um, we, me, and Nikki, put in our two years of transitioning and, and yep. learning into it. We retired on um, four years ago on a. On, I think it was like October 28th. It was a Friday. It was a Friday. My <laughs> no, I'll see you on Monday. We got our new thing going. We're getting the plant building. We got to start selling some flavor. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, not even like take a week. I'll see you on Monday. Right. <laughs> and that's just the way it goes in our family. It's kind of fun. That is yeah. awesome. 
as a serial entrepreneur, and I guess all of us now are beginning to feel a little bit that way, he, I imagine what, what next? It was sort of a, we're going to connect to Joe's face we love, food and, uh, food and beverage. He's always been most excited. He was our product guy. So he's, oh. you know, very intrigued by taste and very intrigued by, we grew up in sport nutrition at a time and we're beginning to exit at a time when labels were becoming cleaner and organic and transparency and all of those were sort of big buzzwords in our heads as we were transitioning out of the business. Sure. And here we are making flavors for functional food and beverage products. And some of our most favorite customers and that we identify with best, I think, are companies that walk in that were very similar to who we were at the time. Because it's tough to get it's tough to get the uh, mind share of of bigger houses, flavor houses, if you will, as little guys. And we completely understand kind of those challenges and, and the getting started much the way. You know, we did it years ago. Got so, it. I think in my dad's mind, he got his old band back together. <laughs> that Right. I'm sure. There's some yeah, magic to that because our, you guys can hit the ground running. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, you'd already done it, right? Right. Right. And we're just not good at sitting around and playing rounds of golf. I'm not either. That's not my style. I got a, uh, my oldest son, Hunter, who's 25, is becoming a flavor chemist here, working really hard. He loves it. My daughter's involved in another business um, in the same industry. We do her. My son's going to LA. We got Nikki's kids. So we just enjoy the challenge. And, uh, and being an entrepreneur, there's just nothing better than going to work every day and trying to make a difference. No, in other totally. It's, it's really rewarding. And, you know, all these small entrepreneurs that are coming, you know, you're not small forever. And, and you know, we have a big model here. There's no small uh, orders like there's no small people. So we just want to help the see what we can do to help other people grow. And uh, when that happens, our dreams will continue to come true, too. I love it. Well, share with our audience what Flavor Insights is and uh, what you guys are all about. Nick. So we, we create, we make flavors. We're based in Northern California. Ironically, when uh, our previous business moved out of our hundred plus thousand square feet, my father moved back in. Oh, that's and- great. <laughs> So we can do um, liquid and plated and spray dry flavors, powder uh, and plated spray dry flavors. And um, we're super proud of the fact that we work with companies that are, you know, uh, billion, multi-billion dollar food and or beverage companies, as well as, uh, you know, just, in fact, we've got a a new team that we're working with and there are a couple of people that have recently graduated college, can't give away too much of their story, but <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> college and this was part of their entrepreneurship program is developing a beverage and they're on their way to doing it. So wow. it's cool to sit in a room with that kind of energy and, and help them create from sort of a, a blank sheet of paper. Um, but as well, we we're work, like I said, with major, food and beverage companies and whether we're duplicating a flavor because they want to change or they want to diversify who they're working with, or they're looking to optimize, we can handle that too. So uh, a full, a full service flavor boutique located on the West coast. 
I yep. love that. Now, what kinds of specific skill sets do you guys have to bring in to support that kind of business? I mean, and because I'm thinking it, it, it's a bit more technical, or there may have been aspects of it back with your previous role. I'm just curious what, what kind Gosh, of. Everybody yeah. here far smarter than, than <laughs> we. It, there's food scientists, food PhDs. technologists, PhDs, there uh, wow. are certified flavor chemists. It's an entirely different business and one that we've grown to love. It's it's different than the branded business. As a family, we're thrilled to also participate in branded businesses, but this is a very technical space and um, which requires just a totally different skill set coming in. Wow. Um, and so you mentioned, and I, I was reading on your site, ideation to commercialization. So I've got an idea. I can work with you, help, and you can take me all the way through to commercializing that product. Um, do some of the larger companies come to you, though, with, hey, we've got a current product. We're looking to do a line extension with different flavors and whatnot, and we need some help. And is that something that you, you find the bigger brands come to you for? Like, what, what are the types of things, what are the types of asks that you guys get from different size companies? Absolutely. Uh, we get the ask of we're innovating, we're doing a different skew. Um, we get the ask of we buy a ton of X flavor and mm. we're to diversify, diversify our supply chain and um, or optimize. You know, it really depends on, on what their needs are and, and we can work with everyone a little bit differently. That's pretty cool. Now, on on this one, what does the market look like? Are there other? I'm guessing there are other competitors in this space. Like, I, I'm not sure. I even have a good sense for the market for flavor. Mike and I are uh, rolling our eyes and saying, "Oh yeah," face <laughs> under the notion of you know the the industry's changing. We want to be a part of that. We want to stay connected to something that we know and love. And product development is close to home. Right. We were really good in a certain area of application. We know protein, Mike mentioned decades. I think my dad, you know, five or six decades in working with protein specifically. So we have figured out how to flavor and work with plant-based and hmm. a variety of proteins. Um, and so I think that makes us, there are, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, international companies that we compete with. And and what makes us different really is, I think our, we've been on the branded side of the table right. for the entrepreneur box in the door. We understand what, you know, we've got to think out of box. We've got to hustle. We've got relationships in the COPAC network totally. going back life. Um, so I think that's sort of the why and what makes us different. And, and we work with smaller emerging brands to to really large established brands and, and can you know work well with both uh, equally so I think it, it positions us nicely and if you're a west coast based um, company there isn't a ton of west coast options in the flavor space so conveniently conveniently located in California is key and then I think as well our spray dry, capabilities a lot of that technology is midwest and east coast and having that here on the west coast has been really helpful to our customers anything you i think that's a i think i think you summed it up pretty well um you know we 
opportunities and see if we can make a difference. Sure. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you is it, it seems like flavor and different mixes and matches of flavor have become the thing or and they're in the industry there's this whole idea of consumer preference and personalizing product with with specific flavors are you have you seen over time a change in flavors from even all the way wind the clock back to when you were with the previous company um you know have you seen or just an evolution in that space or has it been pretty consistent i think trends change over time and so different profiles uh, yuzu is something that's you know a, a trend today i do think what really has changed I mentioned that when we got into the space we had this notion that we were going to work a lot in organic and a lot in natural at a time when our industry sport nutrition was a lot of natural and artificial and it sounded good we thought that that was where we would head but I would say that if we look at what we sell today, that is, in fact, the lion's share. So Got it. Cleaner products, organic products, transparent label, that's on consumers' minds. And we're really happy to be a part of that ever-changing dynamic process. That's pretty amazing. You guys have had tons of lessons learned over the years from your different experiences. Uh, you shared already a couple on the podcast today, but I want to ask you, you know, for those entrepreneurs that are listening, uh, that are either thinking of starting their own thing or in the process of building their own brand or whatnot, like what would be two or three pieces of advice that as you look at what you learned before and you applied now that you would offer to them? Well, I, I can start. I think that um, number one, you just, you, you just don't give up. If you think you have the right idea and you've, you've got a good product, you don't give up. Remember, the only person who really puts you out of business is your vendors. Mm. So you just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, every entrepreneur, great entrepreneur that I've talked to went through really hard times. It's not easy, but it's really rewarding and it's great. And actually, the building of the business is the funnest part. Managing isn't nearly as much fun as building. I'm in my sure. I don't, yeah, you're a hunter it, or a farmer. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy the moments. Um and I think another really important thing to remember is as you grow and you're successful, remember who owns your brand. It's not you. It's your customer. So it takes a lifetime to earn trust and one mistake to have that trust broken. Do not break that. Have very important guardrails that you live by. And if you do that, I think you can build great companies um, that you can enjoy the fruits of your labor and and employ people in a place that you can be proud of and if you can do that you it's just such a win i love yeah, that it's awesome really agree and i would add that you know don't be afraid to fail we failed all the time and you know it's funny looking back some of our our biggest failures end up you learn quickly so fail fast you're gonna yeah. fail fail fast learn from it and then those learnings end up becoming some you know brilliant part of the overall strategy and i if i look back at the entire sort of run with that particular business sort of every time we had a yeah. oops or an oh no we learned and then pivoted and the strategy evolved and then suddenly it was like this wonderful <laughs> look what we just did yeah right. and i you gotta you have to just look at it that way or I'll, you know you can't take it too serious another thing is we always had a ton of fun 
if you're not having fun, it's probably not worth it at the end of the day. And, and so you have to keep that perspective as well. I love that. Um, one question I wanted to ask you guys in this whole space is, you know, were you each good at like one thing or a couple things that your other family members were not? In other words, did you have, did you each have unique strengths or did, or did a lot of your strengths overlap as you guys were initially getting started both before uh, in the former company, um, Cytosport, and then here at Flavor Insights? I think that's a really good question. If you're going to have a family business, I think what really worked for us and allowed us to for 25 years now to sit at the same Thanksgiving table and do Christmas <laughs> all vacation together. And I, I actually live next door to Nikki. Sure oh, <laughs> love it. So, but what has allowed that is my dad was the product guy and I had nothing to do with that. Nikki had nothing to do with that. He played in his lab and he made great products. Nikki, all Nikki, only part of marketing I had to do with was, well, I'd give away some stuff when she didn't like it, but she got her budget and Nikki went and built a great brand and she did that. I never sat in her meetings. I didn't, I didn't get involved in that. I, I was far away from that. And Nikki didn't get in, involved in sales and in the operation side. We actually made about 40 million pounds of powder here wow. a year. So we quite an operation of, of manufacturing and, you know, driving sales. And the reason we did all that was to, to, to another thing that's really important is speed kills the competition. Mm. And, really quickly because bigger companies and nothing against great big companies they just move slower and yeah. or too many posture. decision makers <laughs> that's right you know they got you know i can be on the phone with somebody make the decision boom we'll do that where they got to go up four or five layers to make that happen so i think that uh being very separate and different interests as a family was the magic for us that worked really well and anytime we got near each other then that always didn't go so well right. so i think that's really important Wow. I think then there are four siblings. Mike and I are, are two of four. Yeah. And so, like he said, we had my father was a product guy. Mike was all sales and relationship or operational, and I was branding. And I always say if we had a banker and a lawyer, we would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the well, other two? <laughs> right. Wow. Our, there's 12 grandkids, and I'm hopeful. <laughs> Hopefully, one will be a banker and a lawyer. <laughs> lawyer. Right. That is so awesome. Well, um, it, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, so much great advice and insight for our listeners. And um, I, I would love to have you guys back on down the road as you continue to grow Flavor Insights. And again, thank you for making the time for the podcast today. We appreciate it. It was great. Thank you. And we would love to come on anytime uh, with any kind of question. We'd love to do that. It's, uh, it's fun to share our experience and see if we can pass on a little bit of of uh, our, our past is quite rewarding and fun. So thank you for having us. I love it. All right. Thanks, guys. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.